Warning, this episode contains adult language and content. Sham Fiction, Video Game Edition. the show where two writers cross pens in a duel to write what they don't know. Now, here's your host, Marcus Mann. Dig that crazy chiptune beat courtesy of Reed Reimer. That must mean it is indie game time on Sham Fiction. <gasps> I am your indie host, Marcus Mann. Indie here meaning makes no money from doing this. And we have our two competitors in the very first indie game, Sham Fiction Duel. Eric, Indy Carlson, and Andrew, Indy Neal. Say hello, folks. Hey. What? That was... That's my whip, because I'm Indy. Oh. We, na- we named the dog Indiana. Oh, there we go. No. <laughs> There's the dog, the Sham Fiction dog, Indiana. Uh, <laughs> for future reference. <laughs> Joining our host of colorful characters, including Gravel Man and Gravel Man. <laughs> two of them. Yep. All two. Well, what, what, are, what are we doing? We're doing something new and exciting. We've got indie game music. We made Reed come up with this beautiful music. And we better follow it up with some beautiful sham fictions. So we're going to be doing for this episode and the next three a focus on modern independently developed or indie video games and we're really excited to do this indie games have some of the most exciting storytelling and gameplay mechanics going on right now they also usually cost about 10 to 20 bucks instead of 60 bucks plus for the modern AAA titles you get them on a lot more devices get them on your steam your, your nintendo switches your xbox your linux i don't know a playstation you got a playstation kids you get it on that you just yeah. you play the indie game you because play it, it's everywhere. They need the money, so they put it everywhere. And that yeah. money is going straight to the developers in a big way. So we appreciate that. So we support the indie games that we talk about this week and in the next episodes. So we're going to get started with a fantastic game that still haunts my dreams um, called What? Celeste. That's right, it haunts my dreams. Maybe I've never woken up from playing this game. Wait a second. Okay, so this is all terrifying information um, that you are just telling us now. Especially the part about money going directly to the developers. (laughs) Nope, that that part's good. Love that. Love that they're all on all these platforms because that means I can play them probably on the platform that I have. iPhone. What about this nightmare stuff? I don't want any of these nightmare things. I don't want to give our listeners any nightmares. What are you talking about? Well, this game can get a little spooky, Andrew. (gasps) But, as you'll see in the pitch, it's a story about overcoming your nightmares. And becoming one with your true self. It's a lovely game. I, I I can't do scary games, Marcus. Like Silent Hill? Like uh, Resident Evil, I should clarify. Makes me poop my pants. 
this game is not a pants pooper. It is not okay. like those games whatsoever. <laughs> it's the, uh, the the scary existential angst of being a twenty something. Put oh, that I'm used to that. Form. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was to say that's 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 our lives. But that's in this our game, we we somehow achieve both getting over them and growing as a result. I don't think I've achieved that yet. That's why it's a fiction. <laughs> it's a, yeah. Yep. It's a fantasy. It's, it's you know, video games are wish fulfillment in there many you go. ways. So. Well, since this is uh, an indie game, it's something that we haven't really done much of on Sham Fiction before. We did Accounting VR in the first ah, season. Accounting. Highly recommend checking out that Sham. Uh, Eric wrote an unbelievable amount for that since he did a choose-your-own-adventure. So go back to the archives and get Accounting VR. It's a classic. It's a classic. Uh, but that was before we had time limits. So now we've got to figure out how to talk about an indie video game with an eight-minute timer. And that's going to be a real challenge. So, I want to get a couple of the preliminaries out of the way so that we can focus the pitch where we live in the storyland. This game, Celeste, is made by a company called Matt Makes Games. As you <laughs> might imagine, the uh, creator of this game is Matt himself, Matt Thorson, and his co-creator, Noel Berry. Uh, the game has a lot of other credits in it, but it's mentioned that it's written by Matt. So Matt Makes Games both developed and published this. It is the follow-up to their hugely successful multiplayer action combat game, Towerfall. Or Towerfall <gasps> uh, Ascension, I think, was the latest iteration of that. Oh my. That's a fun Love title. that game. Yeah, we love Towerfall. Definitely go play Towerfall. It's two jackets approved. It's a <laughs> 2D got the stamp. It's going to be game. right there on the box. Yes. Boom. Two it's an indie game, so it doesn't have a box, but you can make your own box and feel free digital to put box. our logo on it. Stamp. Stamp that digital <laughs> box. It's the Two Jackets motto. <laughs> Said like it ghost, once. It's like Ghost Say Ride in the Whip. Stamp that digital box. All right. So. Oh. <laughs> 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 Oh, oh boy! Settle down, boy. Settle down. It, Indiana We're liked the that podcast. one. Indiana loved it. Uh, we could be like all other podcast hosts and just yell at Indiana. Indiana, quiet! Because <laughs> that's less disturbing than hearing the dog bark occasionally. <laughs> uh, I will not name names, but I will talk about Celeste. So this is a two D retro looking game. Uh, so kind of eight bit, sixteen bit era feel to it. Uh, just beautiful pixel art and beautiful music. Cool. And it is a platformer game. It's oh. it's not a violent game. It's uh, you jumping around and, and doing some platforming, kind of puzzle solving. You got to figure out how you're going to get through various screens. So you know how in these old Vidya games, they would load like one screen at a time. So yeah. Yeah. think about like the original Legend of Zelda. You, you got all your enemies, Ooh. and then you walk off screen, and then it moves to another screen. Yeah. Um, that's kind of how this is set up. So you're on a screen, and then you see the path that you need to get through, and you think, how am I going to be able to jump through that path? And then once you solve that, it kind of saves, and then you're able to work on the next section. So it's a yeah, okay. interesting little game. Cool. Uh, it got all sorts of 10 out of 10 reviews. This is uh, being widely hailed as one of the best games to come out in recent days came out on january 25th on a bunch of different platforms 
get it on Linux, Mac, Windows, Switch, PlayStation 4, or Xbox One. Oh, I, I, personally, have, I have those. You've got them. I've got, well, not all of them, but I've got... You've got enough. Some of them. Enough yeah. to, get, to get it done. Getting it done. Yeah, so I played it on the Nintendo Switch, which uh, was my platform of choice, and I think was also the highest-selling Celeste instance. So I think they sold more copies on Switch than anywhere else. Very okay. cool. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Uh, felt really good because it kind of felt like a throwback to a Nintendo kind of game. And I, yeah. I enjoyed playing it on my Nintendo. So, uh, yeah, I really want to get into this because you may be wondering at this point, why am I talking about a story in a 2D platformer game? That doesn't sound like the sort of story that we normally talk about. So I want to talk about the game, and I think the best way to do that is to get our eight minutes on the clock. And I ask you now, please, oh, video game voiceover artist, to grant us our eight minutes. Pitch session. Eight minutes on the clock. Three, two, one, let's jam. All right, this is Celeste. It is the story of a young woman, maybe in her early 20s, somewhere around there, named Madeline, or Madeline, I guess. Could be either way. We're gonna say Madeline for now, and then I might say Madeline later in the pitch, and I bet you're really happy that I'm taking up our precious time on Madeline versus Madeline. (laughs) Dealer's choice, let's say that. You can call her whatever you want. Call her Maddie. So, Maddie. We're 30 seconds in. Get over (laughs) it. Maddie is a uh, distraught young woman who sets out to climb Celeste Mountain somewhere in the Pacific Northwest in Canada. It's a fictional oh. mountain. You can't actually go there. I think it's probably around Vancouver is the impression that I get. And this mountain, Celeste Mountain, uh, is kind of a mystical, magical mountain. And when you go there, it faces you to look at hard truths about yourself. Uh, There's an old woman who she meets early on who we don't get a name for in the course of the game who is kind of eccentric and combative and laughs at Maddie a bit and says, uh, Celeste Mountain is a strange place. You might see things, things you aren't ready to see. We engage with her as kind of this wiser woman who appears mysteriously throughout the course of the adventure several times. The old crone. The uh, the the old crone in the archetype, I suppose. Yeah, could say that. Uh, so we have this this old lady who gives her that introduction, and Maddie's determined. And this is a theme for Maddie throughout the game. Anytime that someone pushes back on her, like you're not going to be able to make it, you're not a mountain climber, how are you going to do this? She gets really angry and digs deep and says, "I'm going to do this." She's very stubborn, and we don't know exactly what's driving her to the top of this mountain. Throughout the course of her adventure up, we learn more about her and we meet a few other colorful characters. So we talked about the old lady who has a house at the foot of the mountain. And then we meet uh, our first other person on the mountain is Theo, who's an aspiring photographer from Seattle, the mystical land of Seattle, as he calls it. Uh, We find out throughout the course of the game that he moved to Seattle for a new job. And he hated it so much that he left after a few days or a few weeks. Uh, And that drove him to look into being a photographer. His grandpa was apparently a semi-famous photographer. And this is a way of feeling close to him. His grandpa was, in fact, the person who said that he should check out the Celeste Mountain, which his grandpa had climbed when he was younger. Fortunately, his grandfather has now passed. 
So Theo is just kind of a happy-go-lucky guy. He's, uh, you know, again, early 20-something, just living living the life, trying to explore, figure out who he is. Loves taking selfies up on the Insta. Uh, <laughs> he mentions his Instapix account, which is just Instagram. Theo Understars, which is a real account. You should check it out. There's some gorgeous <laughs> artwork there. Oh, look at that. Um, and when he meets Maddie, he, he really likes her. His, her determination reminds him of his sister, Alex, who's very stubborn and great at everything and studying to be a civil rights lawyer. So every time they meet up, because uh, they're camping on the way up to the mountain, sometimes they'll see each other. They take selfies, and uh, he encourages Maddie to think about who she is and uh, what she's dealing with. It's very interesting. Cool. Uh, the other person we meet along the way is Mr. Oshiro, who is a ghost in this old, <gasps> decrepit hotel. I just pooped. Yeah. Oh, no. He's a ghost. Uh, you said it wasn't a pants pooper. Uh, you know, <laughs> your mileage may vary. Uh, known pants poopers may be triggered by Mr. Oshiro. I don't know. Oh, if anybody on this podcast is a known, space, uh, known pants pooper, it's Eric. Ooh, four, minutes. four minutes. All right, spoiler warning. Uh, might poop your pants. So Mr. Oshiro, he's in this old hotel, and it's been abandoned. It's developed clutter, and uh, he's obviously a ghost, and he's talking to Maddie. He's like, you got to stay. And he keeps having this internal monologue with himself where he has these, like, under his breath asides that she can clearly hear. Very much like a Gollum Schmeagle relationship. Oh wow! And she's like, "I don't want to stay. I just want to get through." And he goes, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, sure, fine." But he keeps talking to himself, and it's like, "If I can show her the presidential suite, she'll want to stay." And it's really <laughs> important to him to get one more customer. And throughout, uh, she knows there's a clutter, and he's got all this depression and and uh, feelings of failure because the hotel went under. And she says, "Okay, well, I'll clean up your place for you." And she, she does that, and she doesn't appreciate it at all. And then uh, when she finally says, you know what, I'm I'm just leaving. I'm sorry, President's Suite's really great, but I told you very clearly from the beginning I don't want any part of this. He gets mad at her and turns into a monster and attacks her. <clears throat> uh, so that's a theme of this game is that people kind of manifest their, their inner turmoil um, and you deal with the the difficulties in relationships and so the last and most important character aside from madeline is actually a part of madeline what huh Mm -hmm. so she's never given a name uh she is a manifestation of madeline's physical fear or fear and self-doubt and anxiety that takes physical form through the magic of the mountain so Madeline goes up to a mirror and she sees this twisted version of herself. And so the bright, fun red hair that she has, she's got like a pale demeanor and, and purple hair and uh, breaks out of the mirror and it's like, ha 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 ha, you can never escape Two me. Two minutes remaining. Whoa. So uh, they go through that introduction and Madeline feels like this part of her is an evil kind of thing and she's got to defeat it. And I think as we go throughout the journey, you start to realize, well, maybe it's important to embrace more parts of yourself. So I won't give you any clue to how that resolves, but mm-hmm. Madeline is running away from something. Uh, I, I will note at one point, which is really fun, Theo meets the part of Maddie and describes her as a cute little goth Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So cute goth Maddie can fly and, and do fun stuff. 
Uh, what? But she's also always saying, Madeline, you're not good enough. You're not a mountain climber. You can't make it. And of course, Madeline hates that. Uh, at one point, when the anxiety and the panic becomes too great, Madeline has this kind of stress dream as she's passed out at the campfire. And in the dream, we see her talking to someone with green hair who's not visibly pre- presenting one any gender. Remaining. Ah! Uh, not visibly presenting any gender, so it could be, you know, maybe a friend, uh, it could be an ex-boyfriend, girlfriend, we don't know. And this person in the dream says, you only call me when there's a problem in the middle of the night. Why would I call you? We haven't spoken in months. And that's the only clue we get as to why Maddie might be going on this journey. Uh, we why? know that Maddie has anxiety and depression. She talks about that quite a bit. And Theo teaches her this nice visualization technique of you picture a feather and you use your breathing to keep the feather in the air, and that really helps her. So she goes through that uh, exercise a few times when the stress becomes too real. So the big thing I think about is her goal is to get to the top of the mountain. She's not going to let go of that goal. She is really, really dedicated to proving that she can do this, to getting past her anxiety, and everything becomes this weird, magical, physical manifestation of her reality and this world. Time's uh, up. It's a reasonable stopping point. There's a lot more I want to say. This story really got to me. But we'll leave that to the Q's and the A's. <laughs> so you both get two minutes as part of our normal process. I don't know if it's any different for Indie Game Week. But you yep. got it. You get your two minutes. Not switching that part up. Not switching Same it up. Thing. Same you deal. Two minutes each. Four minutes total for you math nerds. oh man the math nerds are loving it yeah so all right who is gonna go first i mean you both look like you're mirror images of each other in some way so how can you outrun each other uh i'm gonna say eric will go first because he looks more like theo who spoilers is bearded (gasps) all right and you're also taking pity on him because he's sitting in pooped pants. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> true. Want to get I'm it out not... of the way so he can go clean himself up. Thank you. Much so, appreciated. Yes. All right. Well, I'll kick off your two minutes, Eric. Andrew, we'll see you after Eric has his secret info. Two-minute Q&A begin. Okay. So, Maddie, we don't know much about her. Does she have a job? Is she going to school? Maybe she's a Pokemon trainer. Any more background on Maddie? I don't think we know any of those things. Uh, She calls her mother at one point, so if they still have a relationship, knows that they've gone through anxiety and depression before. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, probably out of college, maybe somewhere around there. The the real world seems pretty normal. Okay, gotcha. Is she from the area? No, she had to drive to get there. We don't know where she's from, though. Okay, gotcha. Um, this creepy hotel that Mr. Oshiro's at, What's the, do you know the name of the hotel? I don't know the name of the hotel. I can't Ooh. remember. Or if it was given, I, I just don't remember what that was. Well, then I will have to make up a creepy hotel name. Yeah. Perhaps the Overlook. Yes, it could be the Overlook Hotel. Oh, all right, <laughs> sounds good. Um, so you mentioned that Evil Maddie can fly. Yes. Does she have any other powers? At one point, she shoots laser beams. <gasps> cool. Laser beams! That's yeah. awesome! <laughs> now Andrew's Evil Maddie doesn't get laser beams. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, oh, I like this game. 
Uh, oh, what else? See, so you mentioned Maddie's running away from something. We don't know what that is, but you can't tell me. I, I can understand that. 30 seconds remaining. Ah! We got 30 seconds left. Uh, does she have a dog named Indiana? Uh, it's not officially canon, but I would assume oh. most people do. <laughs> That's a good guess. Um, physical descriptions. You said Maddie has red hair. Yes. Um, you said Theo has a beard. Anything else about Maddie I need to know that's, like, important physically? I don't think so. I mean, she's shortish, kind of shy. Sure. Shortish yeah, and shy, all, but determined. these cute little, like, anime up. styles. Uh, okay. Kind of kind of chibi. Gotcha. Well, the time's yep. up, so Time I will up. have to take this amazing information about laser beams and uh and i'm gonna go wipe i'm gonna go wipe my butt and change my pants and then uh i'll i'll bring andrew back into the room how about Thank that you. and i, I know right. our listeners can't see this but uh please turn off your camera while you're taking care of those activities all right will do i will uh, blacking out now see you soon hey eric just uh turned off his camera to take care of his downstairs situation Ooh, it's a smelly one yeah so I'm glad we're still running with that joke. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's gonna love that one. Come good. the time we publish this one. Oh yeah, it's good. Uh, so he has some good questions. I'm excited to hear your two minute Q and A, and let's oh, get that man. started now. Two minute Q and A begin. Okay, so I want to get a better idea. I don't know how it'll affect my writing, but the gameplay here, because you say this is a platformer, like yeah. eight eight bit or sixteen bit, like Super Nintendo style sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so how does that affect, this, this seems like a very introspective kind of personal journey, like, how does the gameplay kind of interact with the themes, you know, because it That's doesn't seem question. like the best, it doesn't seem like the best medium for it. It's, it's a manifestation of the struggle, right? So you're told early in this game that you're going to die a lot. Uh, it says, what does it say? It says that... Uh, be proud of your death count. The more you die, the more you're learning. Keep going. So that's really like, this is the struggle against anxiety. The mountain's a pretty obvious metaphor, but the gameplay mm-hmm. itself is also a metaphor for how to get through this. When I played the game, it took me about eight hours. And I died over 2,000 times. So I was dying about Ooh. every 15 seconds, but I made it to the end. And you really want to do that. So it's a platformer. There are monsters and things that pop up, but you're never attacking them, really. It's all about the climb and getting through this. Um, oh. so, so that's, that's really important to keep in mind. Okay. So you don't fight these things. You're like trying to run away from them. Is that the idea? Yeah. Just for the most to, like, part. Avoid You're just trying them? to get through. Yeah. Yeah. These are your inner manifestations. Can you give another example of like what a type of monster is in this game? Uh, so, 30 you know, seconds remaining. Oh, no. Uh, there, there are, there's darkness. Mr. Oshiro, this is interesting. He spews out like these red poisonous blobs that end up being a part of, uh, like, if Maddie touches them, they die, or she'll die, and that's Mm -hmm. part of the challenge. So that's another manifestation of the inner turmoil. Sometimes they're, like, floaty bat things or squid monsters and things like that that are part of the darkness. Okay, so that sort of thing. All right. Um, Time's up. (laughs) I didn't really have any more questions. Perfect. It was great timing. Yeah, it worked out. Okay, this is... I'm excited to play this one. I, I, you know, I dig movies that are kind of like this, and indie games that have started tackling subjects like this are really interesting to me. I, I want to play more, so I'm really excited to play this game 
Uh, but I am also looking forward to seeing what I can come up with because this is kind of a weird one. Yeah, I'm really interested. I feel like in this pitch, uh, I didn't get too much into how the gameplay mechanics really relate to the story, which yeah. is really pivotal. So I think we'll talk about that after you and Eric present your takes. There's just, for a 2D platformer game, there's such a rich uh, interplay between these characters that I really wanted to cover. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing more about it because, yeah, I still can't quite entirely picture it, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, well, good luck. Climb that mountain, and we'll see you after the break. Hello, Sham Nation. We hope you're enjoying the show. While the guys are off writing, I wanted to get real with you in a way that only a recorded ad can get real. If you like our show, please hop on your favorite iTunes and leave us a five-star review. It really helps us get the word out there to more people. If you love the show and want to help us produce it, hop on coffee.com slash shamfiction. That's ko-fi.com slash shamfiction. And send us some money, love. If not, we won't tell anyone. Thanks for your support. If you want to get in touch with us, send us an email, contact at shamfiction.com. Twitter.com slash shamfiction. Instagram is a shamfiction thing. I think it's Instagram.com slash shamfiction. You get the idea. We want to hear from you. Now back to the show. Welcome back, travelers. I hope you have some harrowing tales for us today of your journey up Celeste Mountain. How'd it go? I feel like I learned something. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> I skinned my knees. Ooh. On the gravel. Oh, oh no. Did somebody say gravel? Oh, oh damn no. that guy. No, we said uh, gavel. Talking yep. about the Supreme oh. Court over oh. here. This is our... My bad. I am so sorry. I will go away now. <laughs> All right, bye. Bye, gravel man. Oh, man. Glad that he could stop by, stop by for a moment. Satisfy those fans. <laughs> those fans. I'm glad that we dropped the voiced, you know, it's cleaner. Just gravel man. <laughs> uh, true, true. Yeah. For you longtime listeners, his original appearance was as gravel voiced man. <laughs> that was like four episodes ago. <laughs> Co-created by Jack Kirby. Okay, <laughs> let us begin... I am very excited to hear these stories, our first video game stories, or maybe I'm playing them. I don't even know. The last time we got a multiple choice when we did accounting, that was season one for you true believers. Oh, uh, man. So I'm not expecting that. Don't get your But I am up. expecting an intense platforming experience oh boy. by Andrew Neal. What? <gasps> Me? Oh, Does that mean Andrew's goodness. first? Is that what that means? Andrew's first. Oh, Kick it off. Andrew's Climb that first. mountain. Yay! It's a good day when Andrew's first. <laughs> Andrew puts Andrew first every day. All right, let's <laughs> let's let's do this. Let's uh, let's go on a hike. Go on a hike with old Andrew up uh, Celeste Mountain. Let's go on a hike. All right, here we here we go. This is Cel Celeste by Andrew. Darkness. Silence. Complete and utter absence again motherfucker maddie cursed <laughs> she couldn't see anything but she could sense the space around her this wasn't cramped 
claustrophobia-inducing, cupboard-under-the-stairs darkness. This was infinite, cosmic void darkness. The first few dozen times she'd kicked it on Celeste Mountain, Maddie had felt an eerie sense of dread in the dead zone, as she referred to this place, <laughs> the place she went when she died. Now, after she'd lost count of how many times she'd croaked, she mostly ignored the vast unknowable emptiness and used the time to vent her frustrations. Stupid fucking piece of... And on and on she went. What annoyed Maddie most about the dead zone was that she never knew how long she stayed there. It seemed different every green, leaves, breeze, forest. She was back in the meadow on Celeste Mountain. <laughs> Ugh! An exaggerated sigh came from above. Maddie looked up. Nega Maddie, the purple-haired, gothed-up version of herself, <laughs> hovered ten feet off the ground to her left. Only Nega Maddie could make casual, effortless floating seem like an inconvenience. You're back, she groaned. Great. Can you just give up now? For real. What would be the fun in that? Maddie replied. She was still a little groggy from resurrecting, but a sharp chorus of hisses woke her right the hell up. Maddie turned to face its source. The monster, a massive green ball of writhing, whipping vines, somehow looked familiar to Maddie. It poked a sensitive place in her memory. But what was it? The razor-sharp leaves? The knife-like thorns? Couldn't possibly be the unnerving blossoms of red eyes, which could leer at her from nearly every angle. Yeah, I don't recall any sketchy vine monsters back home, she thought, chuckling to herself. <laughs> Felt a little forced, though. She had been struggling to recall more and more things from before Celeste Mountain. Help! The cry pulled Maddie back into the moment. It was Theo, the guy with whom she'd kept crossing paths. The vine monster had him pinned down behind some boulders <laughs> on the edge of the meadow. That's how she'd been dying. She'd been trying to save him. You okay, Theo? Maddie called. Does it sound like it? He called back, followed by, Ah! The monster began pummeling Theo's boulder with a barrage of whipping blows, sending chips of rock everywhere. Hey! Maddie shouted at the monster. Eyes over here, ugly. A, a cluster of eyes turned away from Theo and extended toward her. So what's the plan now, Red? Nega Maddie asked. You gonna run at it again like a crazy person? Why not? Maddie replied with a shrug. It wasn't like the thing could actually kill her. Yeah, I don't think, Nega Maddie began, but Maddie was already charging the monster. It advanced on her as well, releasing an unsettling wave of hisses. Maddie shouted back, Let's go, you! Darkness, silence, void. <laughs> she was dead again. Son of a bitch! Maddie screamed into the nothingness. She crossed her arms and continued to curse like a sailor's even more vulgar great-aunt who gave zero fucks. She was in the middle of a particularly <laughs> salty stanza when the, bizarre, when the monster's bizarre familiarity came washing over her again. Stop being stupid, she thought. How could it possibly be familiar? But then a possibility presented itself. Have I seen it in a movie? She thought. Yeah, wasn't there one of... Wasn't there one in one of those Harry Potter movies? <laughs> she remembered Harry, Ron, and Hermione tangled in a bunch of vines at one point. She was sitting on the couch, watching it on TV. Someone or something else was there with her. It was green, leaves, breeze, forest. She was back in the meadow on Celeste Mountain. Oh well, Maddie thought. No time to dwell on whatever that was about. Ignoring the twist of guilt in her stomach, she took a step forward 
toward the vine monster. Negamati <laughs> drifted down and blocked her path. Hey, dum-dum, it's 19-0, monster. How about you pack it in? No way, Maddie protested. What about Theo? Negamati shrugged. I don't know. If he dies, maybe he'll come back too. Let's give it a test. How? By letting him die? Yeah, Negamati confirmed enthusiastically. Maddie rolled her eyes and brushed past Negamati. I'm coming, Theo! She shouted, once again charging the monster. And once again, darkness. This time, <laughs> she stopped herself from cursing. You know, maybe this place isn't so bad, she thought. There's no stupid Negamati here, no stupid vine monster. The strange sense of familiarity popped up. Nope, we're done thinking of that, Maddie thought. <laughs> what else is here? What else is there? Uh, or better yet, well, what else isn't there? She was beginning to like the lack of things here, less to worry about. She started to relax. She was suddenly on the couch again, watching Harry Potter on TV. She sensed something to her right and turned. She flinched at it at first, thinking that the vine monster was there, but that wasn't it. It was green and wound into a ball, but it was in the process of becoming something else, something that would be given to her. And then there was something pale and more green, leaves, all that. Maddie was back in the meadow, facing the big lemon ball of deadly vines. She sighed, now understanding. No matter where she turned, it would be there, whether here in this meadow or in the dead zone. The, fami the familiarity was eventually coming out of the fog. Maddie! Theo called. Please! Vines whipped and stabbed at the rocks, which were breaking apart. What are you going to do now, Red? Negamati asked in a condescending tone as she floated by. She stopped when she caught sight of Maddie's face. Red? She repeated. Maddie saw an expression she hadn't seen before on Negamati. Concern. Maddie took a deep breath to steady herself, but she shivered as she exhaled. She ran at the monster. This time, she dodged an impaling vine, then she sidestepped another and ducked between a swinging blow. Next, vine shot at her from both left and right, and darkness <laughs> followed. But Maddie didn't waste time shouting cuss words into the void this time. She used every indeterminate moment to run through the monster's attacks and how she would react, so that when green leaves, she was back in the meadow, she would be ready, which she now was. She ran at the monster again, dodging the two stabbing vines, ducking the swing, jumping back to avoid the next two. She moved ahead and avoided two more attacks before darkness. Hmm. She went back through her plan again. Green. She charged the monster and got farther. Darkness. She planned. <laughs> Green. She got farther. She planned. She got farther. And farther. And farther. And then she got as far as she ever had. She did a sloppy, impromptu somersault under a massive cluster of swinging vines and popped up on one knee. Her stomach twisted, and her arms broke out in goosebumps. She was now in what she believed to be the center of the monster. It somehow seemed bigger on the inside. A dome of vines twisted and squirmed overhead. From there, two stray vines hung down to the very center of the space, where they threaded through the eyes of two... Maddie inhaled and held it. She stared straight ahead and felt tears begin to roll down her cheeks. The two stray vines threaded through the eyes of two large knitting needles, which each penetrated an oversized beating heart. The heart was a powerful shade of red, which dramatically contrasted with the surrounding green. With effort, 
Maddie got to her feet, and she took the required number of heavy, deliberate steps to be within reach of the heart. She stared at the needles, and imagined them in use by a pair of small, pale, skillful hands. No, she thought. No, it isn't just imagination. Her own hands reached inside her jacket pocket. There she found and pulled out a knit hat of a familiar green. Her fingers kneaded the soft material, trying to sense every fiber. She'd forgotten she had it. She pulled it close to her chest and held it there for a while. Maddie! Theo's muffled voice cried from outside, shocking Maddie back into the present. She was suddenly completely certain of what she had to do. She shoved the knit hat on her head awkwardly, and her hands shot outward, each grabbing one of the needles and pulling them free. The needles' absence left gaping holes in the heart, but it did not bleed. It simply dissolved into pink and purple flower petals, which caught a sudden breeze and spiraled around her. The dome above began to collapse. Maddie closed her eyes, waiting for the falling vines to smother her. But that didn't happen. After a series of crashing sounds subsided, Maddie opened her eyes and found herself still in the meadow, not in the dead zone. Pink and purple flowers now surrounded her in the grass. Nega Maddie floated nearby, clearly dumbfounded by what she'd just witnessed. Theo staggered out from behind what was left of the boulder. Well, that sucked, he groaned, brushing himself <laughs> off. He looked at Maddie. His face was covered in cuts, some of them bleeding. His expression softened when he saw her. Maddie? You okay? Maddie didn't know how to answer that. Theo looked down at her hands. What are those? Maddie, too, looked down at her hands, which clutched the two knitting needles in white-knuckled fists. The world, grew the world grew blurry then, and her body quaked with heavy, shuddering breaths. She felt Theo's arms wrapped around her. She let him do it. It's okay, Maddie, he assured her. It's okay. Hey, if it helps any, I really like your hat. The end. Yay! <laughs> That's sweet. Yeah. Very cool. Well, let's hear another cool story here from our more bearded member. Moving right along. Okay. Yeah, you are referring to me, right, Eric? Yes. Okay. Just confirming that you weren't talking about the other phantom hosts of this of this program. <sighs> so it's time for Celeste by Eric Carlson. You ready for this? Ready for it. Yep. All right. It was as if Madeline hadn't even opened her eyes, the world was so black. No light at all could be seen, and she may have assumed that she was floating weightless in the void of space, were it not for the <laughs> sensation of hard earth beneath her feet. The only sound was the thumping of her own heart, an incongruity she had since gotten used to. Why should anyone have a heartbeat here, in this place? She had asked herself on her first visit. When you die... Your body is supposed to be left behind. Heartbeats, as a rule, shouldn't follow one's wayward mind into the afterlife. She quickly realized, however, that the rules were different here on Celeste Mountain. Madeline had since gotten used to death. It was as unavoidable as breathing here, but being thrust into the black always came as a shock, even after going through it some thirty-odd times by now. 
She glanced down at her own feet, noting that she could see her own body despite the lack of any visible source of light. Her shiny shoes were black, as were her long stockings and the lacy frills of her skirt. A pair of fingerless lace gloves adorned her pale hands, matching the inky black of her painted fingernails. She ran a gloved hand through her hair and inspected a lock, confirming that it was dyed purple instead of her natural ginger. Madeline was very clearly not herself. Dead again, I see, said a voice from behind. Madeline slowly turned, the smooth soles of her shoes scraping audibly against the unseen floor. She knew the voice, of course. Madeline used to hear that voice every day, telling her she was beautiful, telling her she was safe, telling her she was where she belonged. It was the voice she had run away from. It was the voice that had driven her to Celeste Mountain to begin with. Although Madeline knew that it would be better if she ignored the voice, there was something inside her that compelled her to look. She completed her turn and glanced up at that oh-so-familiar face. Their hair was an impossibly bright shade, standing out against the black like a gout of green flame. The strong cut of their jaw and the soft curves of their lips were enough to make Madeline want to kiss them and never let go. She wanted to run and jump into their long, elegant arms and be taken away from this place. The desire was so strong that it felt like someone had their hands on her shoulders and were pushing her headlong. Not everyone can make it to the summit, Maddie, they said with a kind, conciliatory tone. No shame in giving up. You did your best. A door creaked open behind their shoulder, the number 16B, written on the wood in brass. Home. She could go with them through that door, and this would all be over. No more death, no more doubt. A smirk crossed their face, and they held out a hand for her to take. Madeline took a half-step forward, then stopped herself with a shudder. No, she couldn't give in. Giving in was what the other Maddie wanted, the dark Maddie. That wasn't who she really was, despite all outward appearances. Madeline had come to Celeste Mountain to get away from that place, right? She was trying to get away from the darkness, and if she stepped forward and took that beautiful hand in her own, darkness would consume her. But what else could she do? The mountain had proved itself to be far more formidable than she could have imagined. Mr. Oshiro had turned out to be a monster, attacking her with teeth and claws, doing everything he could to keep her at the Overlook Hotel forever. She had ended up in the black five times because of him. Theo had appeared over and over again, losing definition every time until he was an elastic, shapeless blob. He had latched onto her, clinging and suffocating with grasping tentacles, slowing her down so that the mountain could do its worst. This had sent Madeline to the black ten times before she managed to destroy him. And now, after nearly reaching the summit, her darker self had flown in like a hawk and surprised her with a flurry of red death, laser beams that she shot from her eyes that <laughs> struck her down. It seemed that no matter what Madeline did, the mountain would find another creative way to kill her. Maddie, they began, weakness is not a sin. Come with me and I'll be your strength. I'm here for you. But she had come so far. She had seen the top of the mountain, and the only thing keeping her from the summit was, well, 
herself. It may have been a darker, sadder, more lasery version of herself who could fly, <laughs> but it was still her. A long, steady breath escaped from Madeline's lips. She imagined the feather that Theo had told her about before he had become a monster. All she had to do was try to keep the feather aloft with her breath. That thought steadied her, and she closed her eyes. No, she found herself saying, barely louder than a whisper. The words gave her strength and made her conviction tangible. Warmth welled up inside her, and suddenly she knew there was still life there. This wasn't the first time she had been to the black, and it probably wouldn't be the last. But she had gotten out every other time. That strength to go on was all hers. She didn't need this emerald-haired angel to hold her up. She had two strong legs and a will that outmatched anything this mountain could throw at her. A slight frown crossed their perfect face as Madeline turned away and stalked across the void towards a large oval mirror. It hung there in space, attached to a wall she could not see, ornate golden frame gleaming in the darkness. Her enemy, herself, stared back at Madeline with defiant eyes. She reached out one lace-gloved hand, and the reflection did the same. Their pale, black-nailed fingers met, but all she could feel was cold glass against her bare fingertips. "'You can't keep me here,' Madeline said, the reflection's black lips mirroring her own. How had this dark Maddie come into the world to begin with? By breaking out of a mirror? "'I'll just destroy you again,' her mirror image said. "'No,' Madeline retorted immediately. "'You are me. I am you. Anything you can do, I can do.' The reflection's eyes began to glow with an internal red light. Madeline smiled, and her reflection did the same. She drew in a long, deep breath, then unleashed the light. Two searing red beams exploded from her eyes, striking the mirror and shattering it into a thousand pieces. The ground below Madeline's feet shook, and huge cracks appeared in the blackness all around her, spidery white lines in the fabric of space. A heartbeat later, the black itself exploded in a tinkling shower of broken glass. Madeline gasped and opened her eyes. She was lying on the cold dirt, shards of broken glass littering the mountainside around her. She sat up quickly and pushed back the strands of red hair that clung to her sweaty face. She no longer wore the lace gloves, and her shiny black shoes had been replaced with sensible hiking boots. Madeline was herself again. She stood and looked around, trying to get her bearings, confirming that this was the same spot that she had died mere moments before, shot through the heart by Dark Maddie's powerful laser beams. She took a few steps forward, and the peak of the mountain came into view, a simple jutting rock piercing the night sky. It was so close that Madeline could reach it in a dozen steps, but she paused, noticing that there was someone already standing there, blocking her way to the top. The figure turned, their shock of green hair illuminated in the night, making Madeline's breath catch in her throat for just a moment. You made it pretty far, they said in a tone that dripped with malice, but this is where the adventure ends. With a flash of light, the figure stretched 
and mutated, wings sprouted from their back, and horns erupted from their head. A jet of flame shot from the creature's toothy mouth, brightening the sky as the scaly green dragon let out an ear-splitting roar. The mountain had found another way to kill her, it seemed. But Madeline was unruffled. You're right, she said with a smile, rising weightlessly into the air like a feather on her breath, her eyes glowing with a determined red light. This is where the adventure ends. The end. Ho! All right! Gentlemen, those were, I can confirm, two stories. Hey! Wow! Thank you for confirming that? that, because, you know, you, you spend all this time writing these things, and you just don't know, because it's just is yourself. It, is it a pamphlet? Is it a <laughs> documentary? Is it a story? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's a story or just a series of words. Yeah. <laughs> Getting like very it. existential over here. I don't know if I like it. That's what Celeste, Celeste Mountain does to you. That's yeah. what it does. There it is. Clearly. Yep. Oh, boy. You guys have not made my task as arbiter of who sucked less very easy today. I'm sorry about that. You know, I, I think that if you guys would just write terrible stories, it would make my job a lot easier. Uh, I want to know why you didn't write terrible stories. So, Andrew, let's let's pitch back to you and let me know where things could have gone terribly, where you started to have some difficulties and how you surmounted them as though you were scaling a mountain in this endeavor. Yeah, no, I am um, this this one I did I this was a challenging one. I had a hard time with this because uh, there were a lot of good elements and it took me a while to determine what specific ones to play with um, because I was thinking about hey maybe I do make it you know more video gamey or maybe I do make it more you know just kind of internal and personal and so I tried to find something that was uh, kind of a median between those things where I played with it seems like the whole dying a lot element is a key factor of this game so I wanted to factor that in yeah. Um, and yeah but still get at this you know, externalization of an internal struggle, and and yeah, so I, that's that's how I that that took a while to figure that out. I, I took way too much time writing this. No uh, such thing. Oh man, it was it was stupid. It, I, 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 <laughs> I I I don't I don't I didn't keep track. I stopped keeping track because it took me a really long time. The first draft, <laughs> I I went through uh to probably three major revisions on this to finally get it to a place that i liked it uh it was it wow. was a beast wow yeah i love that you and i very clearly latched onto the same elements yeah this. <laughs> yeah that that focus on death that internalization of the yeah. of the ex- external struggle and everything yeah or the the externalization of the internal struggle yeah exactly um yeah that's that's great as soon as you talked about a like black void yeah. crap i was just like oh good this is great <laughs> well yeah. it's very interesting for me hearing both of these stories because you seem to have started in pretty much the same place and it couldn't have gone in more different directions after that opening mm-hmm. yeah yeah 
So yeah, but it was it was still interesting to see them described very similarly. Like I, I the place that you described is pretty much the exact sort of thing that I was going for. I was thinking of it, mm-hmm. picturing it the same way. Absolutely, yeah, very good visuals on both accounts. So, Mr. Carlson, same question to you. Uh, what did you slip on as you were climbing this mountain? Um, this one was actually pretty straightforward to, for me. Um, I did not spend all that much time on this one. This okay. one kind of came out of me okay. pretty quick. I figured out what I wanted to do early on. Um, decided very quickly that I didn't want to worry about the video gaminess at all. Um, wasn't sure how I would write a platformer and decided to just treat this like any other pitch, any other story where you have characters, they have struggles, just treat it like a story and don't worry about those video game elements. The only thing that plays in, obviously, is just the, the repeated death thing. But I was not thinking about video games at all when I was writing this, um, which, not a struggle. That actually made it a lot easier for me. Sure. Yeah, I could tell this uh, was very much in, in the vein of some of the other stories that you've done. It's a very personal journey. Mm-hmm. And now I'm trying to remember before I make my judgment here. Did I tell both of you about the phone call in the dream with the green-haired person? Yes, you told us very, a very brief amount. You of said detail. there was a a green-haired person. That's the only thing I remember from the pitch about that. I don't remember specifically but a you, phone you, call. You mentioned a, like a line. You gave us a line that I guess keeps recurring. Oh yes, that's right. Yeah. What was it? It was like. Something I don't have it in front of me, but it was something like, "Why would I call you? You only call me when oh, right. when something's wrong or something yes, like that." Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yes, so yes. It, very clearly, we latched onto that as our big bad too. That's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was very interesting. Okay, guys, I am having some trouble here, but I'm just gonna have to climb my own mountain and make a decision. Atta boy. And I'm going to say that the best writer of Celeste, surprising no one, was Matt Thorson. Oh, with additional games material by, by Nolberry. That is correct. Was wow. that in Games by Matt or Matt Makes Games? Matt, Matt Makes, makes games. games, yeah. Games <laughs> constructed for and by Matthew. That's the company, right? Yep. All right, That's great. That's really funny. And sold lots and Matt lots games. of copies. <laughs> Good for Matt. Matt, Matt has good taste. Yeah. Well done, Matt. <laughs> good Love job, story. Matt. Now, as for who lost less here, I feel like I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat here a little bit. Oh gosh, you using codes. Ooh, I'm, man. Uh, I'm cheating. I'm, I'm getting a little meta because uh, I'm gonna have to give this to Andrew Neal. What? Why is that cheating? Because what swayed me was how your story in and of itself had this bit of net meta feeling. So I feel like the way that you presented Madeline in this take uh, brought in a lot of the player frustrations and feelings that you get from playing the mm. game. Oh, so like yeah. you brought a lot of me as a player into that, and I appreciated that. But what pushed you over the edge, because it was, it was very, very close here, uh, we'll talk about how much I loved Eric's story here in a moment, was you saying that you had to start this over and over in real life and that you lost track of it and decided to focus only on the goal, which is like the most perfect summation of the story that I can imagine. <laughs> That's good. That's funny. That's funny. I, 
I didn't mean to bring that up in my own favor. In fact, it was it was it was terrible. <laughs> Don't feel sorry for me. I brought this upon myself. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Uh, I didn't consider that. Yeah, but it, it was so close because both of your stories, as I said, started in very similar places and went very different directions. And there were things that I absolutely loved about each story, and they were completely different things. So, uh, Andrew, in your story, it was this the sense that you got of playing the game, like the feeling that I had playing that game and starting over and learning that lesson that the developers are trying to teach you of don't get frustrated when you reset, just focus, figure it out. It'll come. It's, it's great. Uh, you really encapsulate it in the story in a, in a way that I appreciate it. And then Eric, your story really caught the feeling of the actual narrative. So it was much more closely aligned to the source material contained in the game. Mm-hmm. I felt like you really, I mean, you told a very compelling story and just beautiful imagery. And I loved your portrayal of uh, Maddie in this and, and uh, goth Maddie, uh, <laughs> Badeline, <laughs> Badeline, uh, as they <laughs> say at one point, I think. Oh, that's great. They don't say that in the game. I think it was on the Steam card, which is uh-huh. getting very nerdy. But I was trying to figure out what she was called. Um, gotcha. So I like that. That's yeah, really funny. I like that. Uh, she's only referred to as a part of me in the game, or a part of you. Gotcha. But it, you re- so you really hit like the in narrative experience very very well. Um, so it was it was very hard for me to choose between those two. And then hearing just that extra bit because I needed to latch on to something for these made-up points uh, pushed me over because <laughs> it was so wonderfully meta, Andrew. So Thank you. Both excellent stories. Uh, neither of you losers should feel like you lost. Uh, <laughs> neither of you losers. Uh, Andrew, yeah, that what, what Marcus hit on with when, you know, this repeated attempt, you keep dying and you try again and you keep dying, you have to just focus. It's like when Maddie gets knocked back to the the uh what'd you call it the dead zone Mm -hmm. it's it's kind of as if when she's there she is us she is the player yes it it, it creates this really interesting separation that i didn't expect and kind of upon reflection it was like oh yeah that's like it's like it's me uh sitting there in the death screen waiting to go back into the game Mm -hmm. that was great Thank and the, you. the swearing there as well. Uh, you know, there's yeah. not any swearing in the game, so we'll have to put a not safe for work tag on this. <laughs> but uh, I, I did appreciate that element because I definitely sweared while I was playing this game. Yeah, yeah. No, I. That's how I react in games like yeah. this. I've played games where you just, like, I've played Ninja Gaiden, or Gaiden, however it's pronounced, which is, like, one of the most difficult games ever, and just, I'm sure I was cussing up a storm, but I just, yeah, so that element was definitely conscious on my part. Like, mm-hmm. I knew that this, the swearing element, that's where that was factored in. I don't know, but the other parts in there, I was, you know, um, just trying to, find yeah like that internal space where that was time for her to kind of think inward um which i guess is what you're doing in the games too Mm -hmm. like when you're you're in those reset screens which makes sense marcus yes question in the actual celeste uh what is death like 
There, Is anything so that, happen? That's the interesting thing, uh, because there's zero interruption. You're just teleported immediately back to the start of the, the screen level. that you're on. Oh, the level. Okay, the screen. Yeah. And so, actually, one of the things that makes it so bearable, and I died while I was playing this game a total of 2,119 <laughs> times. Oh, yeah. Yeah. God. That was about 4.2 deaths per minute or a death every 15 seconds. Wow. Uh, but I, I persisted, and I made it to the top of Celeste Mountain, and it was Good very rewarding. Good for you. Um, but one of the things that makes that bearable is, unlike so many other games, you don't actually get booted out. It just immediately puts you back at the start of the screen, and the music never stops. Gotcha. So there's no interruption in the flow of things no. to die. Yeah, that would be imp- You could not play this game if it did stop and you had that void or, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, it was interesting. In your pitch, you had said, I think the wording was, death is such an integral part of this game, something very similar to that. And I latched onto that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like, I bet you there's an element, like when you die, you have to do something or like there's some oh, gameplay sure. element or something. So I was kind of thinking there might be a space. Mm-hmm. I am a little disappointed just for the sake of my story that there's not. But for the sake of me playing this game, I am glad that it just c- keeps you going because that motivates yeah. you to keep playing. And, and there's an accessibility mode in this game. So anyone can play it. You can turn on any, like, there are a bunch of different variables that you can tweak to make it more palatable for you to play. You can slow down the speed of the game. You can add extra jumps. You can make yourself invincible to spikes. There are so many different things that you can do to make it so that you can play it and just enjoy it. You can play it as a a really fast hedgehog. You you can't do that. Uh, But, you know, aside from that, pretty much anything like an achinda sure uh, <laughs> oh there you uh, go Knuckles or whatever tails is nux you talking about nux he's a fox he's a fox with two tails prowler he is a it's something like that yeah, he's a fox he's a, he's a flying fox flying of sorts fox. okay yeah, but okay. that is a bat so like poe dameron right right oh, oh hey. what a fox um okay so uh, Eric, the Hi. yeah, yeah. So in addition to the parts of your story that reminded me of my own, and of course I like them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Andrew I, always puts Andrew first. <laughs> you know it. Uh, what I so your story struck me with. Um, it was very transportive. I I, I just I I kind of found myself even now. That I, when I was listening to your story, I was just kind of in it. I felt very uh, immersed in the situation that you had presented, and the way that you describe things feels very, you know, tight in terms of its perspective to Maddie. So, like, I felt as you were reading, as if I were looking through Maddie's eyes, um, Good. and like was when, like, when you were describing her looking at her hands and like the the lace on her. So, you know her sleeves and everything like I felt like I was in her head looking at all of that and that's how I felt throughout the entire piece you know when the door popped up when the green haired uh, person popped mm-hmm. up um, yeah so just really immersive and it, I'm actually kind of having trouble like thinking about how the thing was structured because I felt like it was just a series of images that you were describing to us 
Um, even though I would say that your piece, in my opinion, I think was more successful structurally than mine. Um, I, I would struggled agree. a lot with, yeah, <laughs> I struggled really hard with the structure of my piece and like this, it started as 2,200 words and I cut it down to 1,600, oh, nice. you know, so I had to really squeeze it, and I mm-hmm. think a lot was lost in terms of the flow. Well, but man, yours yours flowed just really, really nicely. Because actually, the structure uh, worked for me for yours. Um, because and and maybe this is just in the process of cutting things down. But when it gets towards the end, like after the few, first couple of deaths. Um, we get into this mode where it's kind of like a montage where we're like, I died, I did this thing, I died again, I did this thing and this thing. So it's just you're, you're saving words. It, there's a lot of economy towards the end of your story that I felt that it, it drove it forward. I, like it was starting to get to the point in your story where I was maybe getting a little bored with the structure and that, okay, I'm dead, now I'm alive, now I'm dead again, now I'm alive. You know, that, that repetition was starting to to show and I was starting to feel it but then it speeds up which was very effective so it kept me in it because now we were just jumping like we weren't spending so much time in each death and life and death and life we just kept moving Mm -hmm. in a kind of a summarized fashion which worked for me really well cool good glad to hear it kept it it exciting yeah yeah and then you had a big sort of tonal change where we got to the knitting and the heart which was interesting Oh, that was such a cool visual. Yeah, and one of the things that that, I didn't even mention this in the pitch, but there's a separate section of Celeste where you explore the heart of the mountain after the rest (gasps) of the game. Oh. And there's a a big heart. I thought that was interesting. That's so cool. It just seemed like something that would be in a game like this. Like the, the, the squiggly vine monster, like this big old heart thing at the center of it. Like it just felt like a video game thing to me, so... That's where the inspiration kind of came Very from. Very well done. Um, but I have to say how satisfying it was when you were describing Nagamati. Well, I mean, your Dark Matty mm-hmm. uh, having the, 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 the laser vision and then at the end, and the ability to fly. Yeah. And then Matty herself is able to do those things at the end. I, That was one of the most satisfying things. I was so happy when that happened she leveled up a little bit yeah yeah no that that was such a satisfying end to that story um the realization there at the end just oh man yeah that that was something the laser eyes was something that marcus told me in my q a i asked what special powers dark maddie had and he told me that she had laser vision oh good good so i was happy to put that in the story it was very cool good use of the q a uh eric two more call outs i have to make on your story Mm-hmm. One just tickled me severely uh, because you were describing this kind of gothic outfit for Bad Madeline. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's not practical. And then, of course, when she turns back into real Madeline, it's like sensible hiking boots. And I was like, <laughs> that makes sense. I really, really liked that touch. Good. Glad you liked it. Uh, and the <laughs> other thing was, good, good job on keeping the uh, green-haired person gender neutral. I appreciated that oh, detail. I was, was going to ask about that. Story. Yeah, yeah, just using they them pronouns one hundred percent without saying anything gendered. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was going to ask if in the game this this former beau, uh, green haired person, is uh, is that person ever gendered or is it no. remain androgynous? No, you only see the person in one scene, and oh. you don't have any gender definition for them. 
Gotcha. So that character doesn't come back. It's just something in her past. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, okay. do we even know? You say that it's a bow. Do we? Do you even know that it's a past relationship? It's, it's the impression that you get. Yeah. But it's you know ambiguous, like the gender in this case. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I can't remember what sort of detail yeah. you gave. And us. I think this is the first time I've ever written anything where I was specifically trying to use gender-neutral pronouns. Yeah. Um, and it was interesting. Um, I think it was a positive experience. It Like, once you kind of get used to it, it's so easy to do. Like, you could do that with any character. And yeah. I don't think it would take you out of it. Um, there are a few, like, sticky moments when using the pronoun to refer to a person um, when you might also want to be referring to a group of sure. people can be a little confusing. Um, but it's not that hard to get over that. That was a, That was a cool creative experience for me yeah i really like it uh you'll notice if you go back and listen to some of my stories if i have a character who is inconsequential uh, so i'm not drafting them or i'm not defining them very well in Mm -hmm. terms of anything else i will usually try to keep it gender neutral in the pronouns so Mm -hmm. things like you know a police officer comes up they say this and leave you know i I try to avoid that definition sure yeah, um, yeah, I, I don't know. That's it's 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 good. It's good. I didn't even you know it just felt natural. You know, you just flowed, so it worked really well. Great. Um, good to hear. Yeah, man, um, I'm trying to think of other other details. No, I just I was overall like I just I thought your piece, Eric, succeeded at what it set out to do. Like I, I just um, you know early on. Um, I was wondering because again, like I think again, I say it's structurally, uh, it's really sound. But I did in that early going, you know, it's kind of amorphous. We're just kind of seeing these things, um, and those things. I guess I didn't sense too much of a structure to them. But again, the the sense the sensory experience of it was fulfilling in and of itself, and I think that really took me through so that when things did kick in at the end where she does come to the real she is working through the realization mm-hmm. of what she's about to do yeah it just it came in at the right time so i i just think it worked that's yeah. good um one thing i'm realizing through the course of making this show and all the writing we're doing is that i think the strength of my prose is improving um just the the quality of the yeah. writing overall yeah. um yeah, it's been getting better, which is fun to see. This story for me was, I think, very similar to my uh, my Shape of Water. Um, mm. Just this kind of very internal sort of thing, like focusing on the character, the main mm-hmm. character, and okay, their thoughts yeah. and feelings, and the visceral things that are happening to them, the 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 feelings and the visuals and the sights and the sounds and the smells and all that kind of working together to inform that character is something i've been doing a lot lately uh and um and yeah i guess i guess this is just me saying good job eric yeah good job Eric. Eric. (laughs) um andrew do you find yourself tailoring your stories to the person that is hosting the show like, were you trying to write a Marcusy story oh, no. this week? No, I wasn't. Didn't think about that at no. all. I never think about Marcus. It's <laughs> only Andrew. <laughs> oh, gosh. Someday. No, what, 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 
Someday what? Oh, I was just, just going to say, someday he's going to get in trouble because he's not going to heed my warnings about the dredge and oh. try to take them on. Oh. <laughs> Thinking he can beat them. But they're pure oh. energy, Andrew. <laughs> they are pure energy. You can't beat them. Uh, I'll try. Uh, but <laughs> that was not uh, the point. The point um, was not to try. <laughs> See, he's not listening to you at all. Andrew in his own little bubble. So... What Eric? What uh, what elements of the story stood out to you to make you think that? Um, there, you know, there there are a couple small things. I asked mostly because I was thinking about myself, because we're all Man. just selfish dicks on this show, um, and that it's something that I've uh, that I've noticed that I'm doing more often. Oh, like interesting. If, if I'm writing on an Andrew show, I will try to write it more Andrew, and hmm. like this week, I tried to write this more Marcus. That's which so is funny. kind of me playing the system to try to win, which is silly, but is also just kind of a fun, like, okay, how can I focus on the elements that I know that this host enjoys? Oh. So I was wondering if you think about that at all. No, no. Yeah, I've never considered it either. That's, that's oh. really interesting. Oh, there you go. I'm just a, I don't know. I don't know what that means. What, what does that say about me, audience? You're a people pleaser, there I think, you go. is what it means. I just want everyone to like me. Well, it's, it's another interesting constraint, too. Uh, and it could definitely work. I mean, you, you write me a story about a robot learning to love, and we're in business. Oh, oh that's all you need. <laughs> next week. <laughs> oh, wait, I host next week. Damn. Dang it's, it. it's in our uh, unbroadcasted episodes, <laughs> the ones that we do every other week. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, boy. Two weeks from now. Well, I think it's about time to say game over here. Game uh, over, man. Shout out again to Matt Makes Games for this awesome, awesome game. Highly recommend you play it. You can get it on your Linux, your Mac, your Microsoft, your Switch, your PlayStation 4, and your Xbox One. You know, buy it on all of them. Video games built by Matt. Yeah. (laughs) Dot com. Uh, I played it on the Switch, you know, because I like my Switch. They don't pay me to say that. If you want to send Eric Carlson a free Switch, DM us. Just yeah. slide on into those DMs, Nintendo, and we'll play some Pokemon, and we'll do a Pokemon Sham Fiction. Ooh, I'm you. wearing my, my Pokemon underwear right now. I can see that. Yeah. Andrew and I are, are recording this in the same room, and I am literally just in my Pokemon boxers right now. So, Nintendo, listen. Are you listening? I'm buying your merch. And I'm talking about it on the air, so send me more. <laughs> Please do. Uh, so, highly recommend you play Celeste. It has these accessibility modes, which I think uh, could be very helpful. I was able to, after about eight hours, play through the whole thing without them, mm. and only died about two thousand times. <laughs> uh, That's literally, fantastic. Really, That's really amazing. enjoyed the game the whole time. So. Check it out. I can't wait for you guys to hear or play it and get oh. back to me. Uh, oh. There are a lot of things you got right, a lot of things you got wrong in terms of how it shakes out <laughs> in the story. So really excited to talk about those differences, but I don't want to spoil anything because it's too good. You got to experience it for yourself. So any last yeah. words for future travelers? Uh, you know, I have I have no words of warning. I mean, I feel like Andrew uh, and Marcus, you guys are better at that sort of thing. I mean, especially Marcus. He's full of warnings. Yeah, Marcus, what, what would you warn us of? 
in the future, I these, guess, these travelers. Now, this is not what you'd expect, because you'd think I'm going to say the one thing, but I'm actually going to say something very specific to climbing a mountain, right? Okay, yes. Yeah. So when you go to the store and you get your hiking boots, you have to remember, because they can be expensive, and you're like, I don't know if I want to spend that much, but you have yeah. to remember you can't beat the dredge. <laughs> They're pure energy. <laughs> he, and then use that us. to make your decision. He got, us. he got me at the very least. Yeah, you believed it? Yeah, I did. I was in. like, wow, he's actually giving us some sensible advice about sensible hiking boots. Yeah, this is great. But no. But seriously, spend, spend money where you spend the most time. Invest in things that'll last and not break your toes on the mountain. There you when go. you're running from the dredge. All right. Oh, have a good you can't stay and fight. I got day, night, afternoon, what have you, sham listeners. We love you all, especially our friends at Nintendo, who will, of course, be sending us a Switch, right? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, why are you asking me? And Matt, keep making games or building games or devouring games or... MattDevoursGames.com. MattDevoursGames.com. Thank Bye. you all, and good night. Bye. Bye. Sham Fiction is a Two Jackets production hosted by Eric Carlson, Marcus Mann, and Andrew Neal. Original music by Reed Reimer. Head to shamfiction.com for the episode archive. Sham Fiction. Write what you don't know. To whomever reads this, next time, Sham Fiction is bringing you our indie video game second edition. Yes, it's another episode devoted entirely to an interactive indie darling, but this one asks the deep and haunting question, what remains of Edith Finch? Hmm. I don't have the answer, but maybe you do? Even if you've never heard of Edith Finch or her ill-fated family, you may find that you have more in common with her than you had ever imagined. I can't wait to see you then. E. This has been a Two Jackets production.